You know, when he says put shortening, just let you know that doesn't mean a thing with me. So I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. If the Lord keeps blessing and blessing, I don't know what I'm going to do. Can you say that today? God is so good. They're all alike. <laughs> They're all alike. <laughs> Somebody say amen. amen. Somebody say praise the Lord. Somebody say big hallelujah. hallelujah. Man, wouldn't you rather be here than in a dentist chair getting a root canal? I'll tell you what, God is so good. And I am going to try to streamline it tonight, so I used to be an auctioneer, so I can do this rather well. I hope your ears can keep up with what I'm about to say. But I'm going to ask that you would invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you, because in these next few moments, I believe that God has a word for us, the church. I recognize that, yes, many things that Tony shared tonight I was going to touch on, and he's already done the prelude, and so I don't have to go there. But the fact is, is that while the world is dark, and this is an hour of incredible uncertainty, we can, there's no way that we can deny it. Things that are happening today that we never dreamed would be occurring or taking place, and, and as we see that, we know it's a dark and an ugly hour. But in the midst of the darkness, there's never been a time in which the light is ever more apparent. And the light is the church of the living God. And you and I carry the light and the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this is the hour for you and I to shine for Jesus Christ. But at the same time, it has never been an hour of mediocrity like we're having in this hour. And that's the danger for you and I this morning. Brother Curtis was talking about drifting. I thought it was a tremendous word. And how easy it is for you and I to drift spiritually. And let me say this this uh, evening. The longer you've been living for Christ, the more prone you are to be a drifter. That it's easy for you to become lukewarm, apathetic, and indifferent. And I want to challenge you tonight because I believe it's an urgent hour. I think it's a late hour. I think Jesus is about to return. I think we're getting ready to get out of here. And I think it's important for you and I to do everything we can, not only to make sure that we are positioned, but I think that we've got an assignment of which to seize the moment and tell people about Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 6, 7 through 9, that you're going to reap what you sow. I want you to say that tonight. You're going to reap what you sow. And not only are you going to reap what you sow, you're going to reap later than you sow, and you're going to reap more than you sow. Now, that's true for whether you sow to righteousness or you sow to the world. You sow to the wind, you're going to reap the whirlwind. So whatever you're sowing, and all of us are sowing, whatever you're sowing, you're going to reap. You're going to reap it later, you're going to reap more than what you're sowing right now. Your future consequences are inevitable, and they're shaped by present action. There's another passage that I want to share before I jump into this, and that is Hebrews 9.27, and that has to do with an appointment. And every one of us have an appointment. The appointed unto man wants to die, and after that, the judgment. And there's an appointment for each and every one of us. We don't know who's going to be next, but somebody in this audience is going to be the next one to die. But we're all going to face the appointment. And the Bible says there's a judgment. And the Bible also tells us that we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we're going to give an account. Now that judgment that speaks about all of us isn't a judgment as to whether we're going to heaven or not, but it's a judgment of what we did with our life. And I have to tell you that that judgment concerns me. 
I'm concerned about that judgment because it's not so much, the question is not so much what I did with my life, but why I did what I did with my life. The motives behind what I did. Because the fact is we're going to stand behind, before that great sacred judgment seat and there behind will be the judge of the universe. And we're going to give an answer for everything. Every thought, every word, everything that we've ever done, we're going to answer for what we've done. And we'll give an account for them. And I think this is hell's secret strategy in your life and my life. To control your navigation and your destination. To, to trip you up. The Bible tells us, James says, that life is a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. And we all here today can say that life is short. I can't believe how quick it goes. It just, it just snaps along like that. You know, it just seems like yesterday we were young and now we're getting older and changes are happening and I can't do some of the things I used to do. And it's the fact is true that no matter how long you live, you can live to be 70, 80, 90, and even 100 years. But I'm telling you, life is short and it happens, it comes and it goes and it's over. And each of us is given a 24-hour period. You have the same 24 hours that I have. But the question tonight is what you're doing with it. What are you doing with the 24 hours that God has given you? And let me put it more like this. For not maybe apply to all of those of you that are retired, but the fact is that in the 24 hours, we go to school or we go to work for eight hours. We sleep eight hours. But what do you do with the other eight hours? It's easy to waste money, isn't it? Doesn't it? I mean, it can come and go just like that. I was talking to my accountant who said that most people who receive an inheritance spend it all within six months. It's here and it's gone. What happens? That's what people say. What happened to it all? And that's what happens with our time. Is that before we know it, it clicks along and then we wonder what happened with my life. How did I get here? Let's talk about time wasters. The average person, did you know this? And this is speaking especially young people today. But the fact that when it comes to gaming online, did you know the average young person games eight and a half hours a week? The amount of time, not talking just young people, but all of us, the amount of time that the average person spends on this right here is six hours and 37 minutes a day. The amount of time that most... Spend on social media, Facebook, TikTok, all of that talking about the social media. The average person spends two hours and six minutes a day on it. You take that and in a lifetime, it ends up being six years and eight months. That's more than any other activity. Think of it all the time. That's, that we're squandering. And how many times did we say things like, I don't have time. I don't have time to read the word. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to go to church. And yet when we look at the statistics, it tells us that we're squandering hours of time just, just flirting around with things that are meaningless and will amount to nothing. Do you suppose that you're going to answer to God for that? Do you suppose that we're going to answer to God and give an account with what we did with our time? And I'll tell you with all the time that's being spent listening to the opinions and thoughts on Facebook and all of the rhetoric that's out there, it's 
framing our values. It's shaping our worldview. It's not a biblical worldview. But I'm telling you, it's changing the mindset of many professing Christians who are now listening rather to the voice of the world than they are to what God has to say from His Word. I wonder what would happen in your life, in my life, if we were to just give God a slice of that time. If the average person is on social media two hours and six minutes a day, if the average person's on their phone six hours and 37 minutes a day, what would happen if we were to just give God a slice of that time? I'll tell you what would happen. We'd have super Christians walking around. It would change us. It, was, it would transform us. It would, it would redirect us. The trajectory of our life would be radically transformed. Why? Because our fixed focus would not be on the things of here and now, but the things of eternity. I have something that's rather encouraging. I spend my time working with young people, youth and young adults. And this is an, imper- this is an encouraging word. Generation Z... That's the Zoomers. That's the ones born between 1990s and 2010. Are rethinking their controlling reality of electronic devices. These statistics are encouraging. They're quitting social media. They're they're moving away from uncontrolled gaming and device time. In fact, did you know that flip flip phone sales have surged 160% and they're being purchased by Zoomers because they're tired of the control of electronic devices. 41% of the young people are saying they don't want to do that anymore because it's a time waster. And 35% this says there's too much negativity associated with it. And 17% said, hey, listen, it made me feel badly about myself. And I think there's something happening. Talk about wasting money. Time wasting is going to cost you far more than that. When I was young and we would go out, we, we did, you know, we were out doing things and there was this aspect of creativity and we were building and we were, we were experimenting, we were doing all these things. And I, I did a research and I found something to me that's stunning. Did you know the popsicle was invented by an 11-year-old? Did you know that a 16-year-old invented the trampoline? A 12-year-old invented Braille reading for the blind. A 14-year-old invented television. Uh, The snowmobile was invented by a 15-year-old. Put a car on some skis and he designed the first snowmobile. Superman, the character Superman, was created by two 17-year-olds. And I think to myself... We've lost the capacity of creativity in this day, largely because we are confounded by and, and we're straddled, strapped by the electronic age that has now monopolized our lives to where we literally are in zombie land and we have no capacity in which to think and exercise the wisdom and the creativity that God has given us. We're highly distracted, we're over-entertained, and our creativity is stunted. And you think that this has an impact upon our spiritual life? I'm telling you, it does. 
It's crippled us spiritually. And I'll tell you, time, this time wasting, this kind of behavior gets our minds off the immediate, or gets our mind on the immediate and off of eternity. The world, the flesh, and the devil screaming tonight for your attention. And listen, you can say, hey, I'm a Christian and I'm a believer and I've been saved for years. But where are you spending your time? What are you listening to? Who are you hanging around with? Who has your ear? What is it that captivates your attention? So often we're living for the moment and instant gratification and, and thinking to ourselves, heck, I deserve it. I live hard. I work hard. All of this. And we, we feel as though I, I, I just need a little rest and a little relaxation. And little bit, though, leads to more until we're little absolutely consumed with a life dictated by the affairs of this world. It's the message that we find, eat, drink, and be merry. To live today we live, tomorrow we die. And Satan's objective is to seduce you, to literally paralyze you. Before you know it, you're completely bankrupt. And our censored, we're consumed with the here and now. Now, Jesus was taken on a trip by Satan, and he was tempted. And I'll tell you what, this frames the temptations that you and I are going to be subjected to in three specific areas. Remember how Jesus was tempted? Satan appealed to his fleshly impulses when he said to him, listen, Use your resources. Get what you want right now. You're hungry. Get, make the stones turn into bread. And Satan desires to appeal to your fleshly impulses. Don't wait. Do and get what you want now. Satan appealed to Jesus with greed. All this that's been given to me, I'll give to you. Just bow down and worship me. You can forsake all the troubles and trials. Jesus, you don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to go through the suffering or the humiliation. Just bow down and worship me. You can skip all of that. Satan's strategy is to appeal to your greed, what you need, what you feel you deserve, what you must have in order to be happy. Satan appealed to the, to the issue of pride when he said to Jesus, jump, prove yourself. The Bible says and even affirms that the angels will rescue you. Go ahead and show it. And pride is the central core issue of which we all struggle with. The aspect of proving who we are. And how did Jesus respond? He looked at Satan and said, you're a liar. What did Jesus say about life? You know what Jesus said? Completely opposite. Take no thought for your life. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, drink, sleep. Don't worry about those things. What are you spending your time doing? What, what are you going to reap in the end? When you think about it, it all accumulates. You get to the end of the journey. What, what, what interest are you building? And what is that investment being directed towards? The, the name Arthur Stace is probably not something that you're familiar with, but it's a remarkable story of a man in Sydney, Australia, who lived his life as a reprobate. He was wicked. He was evil. He was a drunkard. He, he did everything of the impulse of the flesh he can think of. And finally, he came under conviction when on a street corner in Sydney, Australia, he heard a preacher saying and speaking about eternity. What's going to happen when you die and you stand before God and you give an account, you're being judged for all that you've done? What's going to happen in your life? He came under deep conviction and he gave his life to Christ. 
And from that point forward, for the next 60 years, Arthur Stace went everywhere rising early in the morning before the rising sun and before most people were up. And he took a piece of chalk and everywhere he went, on the sidewalks and on the train stations, on the bridges, he wrote the word eternity. And everywhere people went, they were, they were confronted with the reality of eternity, meaning, what are you going to, there, there's something after here, what's going to happen when you die? What's the state of your life? And, and thousands of people were impacted by that. In fact, long after he died, when they lit up the bridge there in Sydney, Australia, one billion people saw that word eternity stretching across that bridge at the curtain of the 2000 celebration. You and I are in this life for but a moment, a vapor, a mist, and then it's gone. We're busy playing, we're distracted, unaccounted time that deceives us, the enemy that's screaming, you've got plenty of time. I mean, that's what we hear, you've got plenty of time. You're young. Life is a vapor, and I'm telling you what, I know some of you, some of you are young, you cannot imagine that I was ever young. I remember my dad saying that when he was 80 years old. He said to me, you probably can't ever think of me ever being young. I didn't say it, but I thought, no, I can't. But, but we've all, I mean, I was young and, 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 it's a, and things have changed. I mean, it, it's a crazy mixed up world. But, but the fact is the time clock is ticking and, and, and it, it, it transforms so quickly. And some of you this, morning, this evening, you're here and you think to yourself, man, that phrase, old age is golden, so I've heard it said, but I have my doubts as I crawl into bed with my eyes on the dresser, my ears in a drawer, and my teeth in a cup until I get up. Not always fun. The fact is, is if, if all you're living for is this life, you have a big disappointment head for you. Jesus spoke about the man who built his barns, tore down his barns, took his ease, said, look all that I have. And he said, listen, I'm going to tear them down, I'm going to build bigger barns. He was thinking only of the here and now. And then that night... His soul was required of him, and he couldn't think, take a stinking thing with him. He had to leave it all behind, and he stood before, think of it, standing before the judgment. What did he have to show for his whole life? Life is vapor. It's here for a moment. You don't know who's going to die next. You think it's just the next. You think it's the old person that's going to die, but I'll tell you what. We don't know who's next. My, my brother-in-law thought he had plenty of time. Straddled across the middle line, hit a semi-truck straight on and was killed instantly. Three of my school buddies thought they had plenty of time on a night they were having fun before graduation just a week away. And on that night, all three of them were killed as they were thrown out of their car and they had to peel them off out of the trees. A young man in my church who had a was a rising star, thought he had it made, was heading for the Olympics and had an overdose. And that night his buddies left him to die there all by himself. Can't get away from the account of a trucker that had an accident and the trucker was, was 
was uh, crushed in that cab and he couldn't get out and, and uh, smoke was coming up from under the, under the cab and he was frantic, he couldn't move, he was, he was literally pinned inside of there and the officer came up to him and they were working feverishly to try to get him out of there. Then the smoke turned into a flame and, and it began to encroach around him and, and the, the word, the testimony is that, that this man began to scream, please don't let me die this way, I beg you, please say to the officer, take your gun and shoot me, shoot me, don't let me die like this. He said, if you can't do it, give me the gun, I'll shoot myself, but don't leave me to die like this. And the man died in that flame. Now, I don't know what the torture must have been like. And how long that pain must have lasted. Two minutes, three minutes, I don't know how long. It must have been awful. But that's only a split second to what Jesus describes as what hell will be like. Where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. With the gnashing of teeth. That's the words of Jesus. And I'm simply saying to you tonight, there's a heaven and there's a hell. And we often live in the here and now, and we live in a delusion. We don't think about the realities. We're going to give an account for our life. We're going to stand before the great judge. And you're not going to fake it. You're not going to manipulate him. You're not going to talk yourself out of it. Everything's going to be laid bare, and you and I will be without defense. What distracts you? What distracts your focus and your time? What do you do with your 24 hours a week? Or 160 hours in a week. You sleep eight. You work eight every day. What do you do with the other eight? Put it down this way. What do you do with 72 hours a week? Think about what is it that you do? Because when we say, I don't have time. I wish I could read the Bible more. I wish I could pray more. I wish I could meet with Christians more. I wish I could go to church. I'm asking you tonight, what do you do with the 72 hours of your time? I'm putting a finger on an issue of what I believe interferes with our walk with God. Every one of us. We're distracted with the frivolous. We're consumed with the rhetoric of the world. We're concerned with other people say about us. We're looking at Facebook and we think we're a part of a great community. It's like the guy that died and at the funeral there was only three or four people there. And one of them buddies said, well, I don't understand it. He had a thousand friends on Facebook. It's a, it's a phony, fake world. What is it that you watch? What is it that you listen to? What is it, who is it that you hang out with? I'm telling you that it's that that's shaping you, and it's that that so often is tripping us up, and it's sucking the spiritual vitality of our life, and it's distra- distracting us and with our passion for Christ tonight. I've watched a lot of folks die, and I'm sure Brother Tony has as well, staying by, staying by the bedside of those who breathe their last. I've been in ministry now as a pastor for 46 years, starting when I was 15 years as an associate pastor. And I've watched people die, but I can tell you one thing, I've watched the difference between some who've died peacefully and those who died with just absolute agony. But I've never stood by the bedside of someone who's dying who said to themselves, boy, I wish I had spent more time on Facebook. 
I wish I'd done a little bit more gaming. I, I wish I'd watched some more movies. I wish that I had viewed a little bit more porn. I, I, I wish that I had, had, I just simply had done, I never hear people saying that. All I hear is regrets. Wasted years and now it's payday. Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it won't bear any fruit. And Jesus said, unless you and I deny ourselves and take up the cross, we can't even be his disciples. You have to die in order to live. You and I have to live the crucified life, and I don't think we do that real well. And tonight, I believe it's, the word is execution. I think it's ex- execution time in your life, in my life. We, we, we don't like to consider this, but Jesus said, hey, listen, what is it that trips you up? He says, listen, if, it, it'd be better to lose an arm or it'd be rather better to gouge out an eye than, than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Do you remember when he talks about that? One young man that I know personally was struggling so much with lust that instead of dealing with the issue, he literally gouged both of his eyes out permanently blind tonight because he misrepresented what Jesus is talking about. What Jesus is talking about is finding the root. What is it that's tripping you up? What is it that's, that's causing you to go down the wrong path that's, that's, this, that's causing this, you to be distracted? What is it that's, that's sucking the spiritual life out of you? Cut it off. Yank it out of your life. It's not worth it. Get rid of it. What needs to die tonight in your life, in my life? I think there's this aspect of nailing that rebellious, defiant lower nature to the cross. And listen, I, a couple weeks ago we had the young people. I'll tell you what, there's a spiritual awakening that's happening, I believe, with young people. For the last year, 430 young people gave their hearts to Jesus Christ in the tent meetings. And I see something happening with kids teenagers and young adults where they're coming forward and there's deep weeping and brokenness and crying out to God. There's a sincerity. There's a, there's a genuineness. I remember a couple months ago or four months ago when kids were on their face before God and the whole place up front was just packed with kids and they're on their faces and they were groaning and they were crying and they're weeping and there was mud on the ground and they didn't care because they had an encounter with the living God. I took a cross, a big wooden cross, just a few weeks ago, and I put it up front in front of the big tent. And I preached on dying and being crucified. And I took a big three-by-five three by five cards, and I laid them up front, and the first one I picked up, I put Rick Webb. I put Rick Webb on it. And I said, I'm not calling you to go to the cross. I'm calling you tonight to get on the cross for Christ. We say there's room at the cross, but there's room on the cross for you and I. And there has to be a certain death in your life, in my life, to die to the things that are, that's causing us to walk or to be drifting spiritually. 
What is it that's distracting you? What is it tonight that prevents you to have the passion for Christ? I'm telling you what, we've got something of which to shout about. Jesus Christ gave his life. He's canceled the debt of sin. He has the power over all the forces of darkness. He has the capacity to cleanse you from every sin you've ever committed to break the curse. He has been able to reverse the trip so that you're on your way to heaven and not to hell. What in the world do we need more to motivate us to live all for Christ than to know what Jesus has paid for you and I. I think that tonight we need to get on our put ourselves on the cross. We used to sing the song is your all on the altar. And I don't think we hear enough about this. I'm dying to Christ. I'm willing to To cut it off, to yank it out, to be willing to surrender and say, listen, I'm through with that. I will not be consumed by six hours of of, uh, device time. I will not be wasting time on frivolous things. I'm willing to die. I'm going to put the flesh to death. I'm going to make some adjustments. If I have to put my phone, I had one young person that took his phone and threw it into the Saginaw River. And said, I'm through with this. Until we're willing to make a drastic shift and a commitment of getting on the cross and dying, I'm afraid we will not experience personal revival. I'm asking you tonight to think and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and make a hard decision to get on the cross tonight. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. You've got to die tonight. I don't care if you've been saved for years or if you've just been saved for a few weeks. There's things that need to be sacrificed. There's things that need to be set aside. There's things that creep in. There's things that that begin to choke us. And tonight, I believe the Holy Spirit is saying, make a hard decision. Get on the cross and allow it to be crucified and put to death so that you'll have no restraints and that the Holy Spirit can be released in your life to navigate you into spiritual territories you've not yet entered into. Decide tonight to be a radical, reckless follower of Jesus Christ. There's room at the cross, but there's room on the cross for you tonight. I'm going to ask you to stand tonight. As we prepare to pray Sing, I'm asking you to not be distracted by what's going to happen after this. I'm asking you not to be thinking of justifying or defending yourself or thinking, you know, well, maybe later. I'm saying is the Holy Spirit is speaking to some of you here tonight. And some tonight need to come and make a full surrender. Some of you, maybe you need to get saved tonight. Tonight's the night. But maybe some of you tonight that have been struggling with some things that have been wasting your time. Maybe there's things in your life that you feel sucking the spiritual life out of you. Tonight's the night to be crucified with Christ. The Spirit of the living God is in this place tonight.
And I believe with all my heart that God is calling you to a full surrender. Would you open your heart tonight? Would you be willing tonight to say yes to the invitation of heaven? The Spirit of God is pricking the heart of some of you. You know exactly what you need to do. You know what you need to cut out of your life. You know what you need to stop watching so much of. You know, maybe there's even some blatant sin and you realize tonight you're being convicted by the Spirit of God and you need to run to the cross tonight. Well, I'll tell you what, don't let your pride get in the way of you. Could we humble ourselves before the Almighty God? Because the Bible tells us that if we'll humble ourselves that there's grace available for all of us. Lord, tonight, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power and the presence of the Spirit of God. In these next few moments, we welcome the visitation of heaven. We want to be on fire. We want to be radicals, reckless for Jesus. We desire, oh God, to be shining lights in a dark world. We we desire to see revival. We want to see a spiritual awakening. Oh God, I pray tonight, let it begin with us. And may there be in this place the flame of Pentecost that would send, descend down upon us and ignite a new flame on the inside of us. May we experience, oh God, a fire and passion like we've not had before as we surrender it all to you. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen.